Hello and welcome to QPod, QIC's investor podcast series. I'm Craig Balanzuela, Managing Director for Global Business Development at QIC. And each Friday, we invite our listeners to take 10 and get the latest economic update from our in-house economics team. Today, our Chief Economist, Dr. Matthew Peter, joins me again to walk us through the implications of this week's headline-grabbing news of Australia's Q1 GDP update. But we're also going to assess what the recent run in the Australian dollar has been on recently will mean for investors, including possible outcomes for the RBA's interest rate policy. Welcome again, Matthew. Hi, Craig. Great to be here again. Wonderful. Matthew, I thought we could um, start with uh, on the back of that COVID-19, this week's GDP data. The Treasurer has announced that Australia is in recession, and some of the headlines are interesting with the COVID recession that we had to have. Is it the recession that we had to have? How do we interpret this data, given other nations have had far greater negative prints? Well, Craig, the irony is that it was impossible really to avoid recession in the face of COVID. Uh, unless you are willing to risk the health of the population. Whereas the recession of 1991, when uh, then Treasurer Paul Keating coined the phrase of the recession we had to have, um, that recession was induced by overly restrictive monetary and fiscal policy and was, and was probably avoidable. Anyway, back to the, um, the Q1 data, Australia's drop in GDP, as you pointed out, is small relative to many other nations, uh, such as Europe and China, where the outbreak um, really first hit uh, the, uh, those economies and who went into lockdown uh, earlier than us. But uh, the Q1 outcome that we've seen isn't all that different to those countries that didn't go to, into lockdown or, or rather delayed lockdown, such as Sweden and the US. I would say, though, that our swift response has meant that our health outcome has been much better than many other economies. And that bodes well for our ability to reopen without the risk of a second wave of infection. Having said that though, the Q1 GDP outturn doesn't reflect the worst of the COVID hit to the economy. We know that the damage done over the lockdown months of April and May will most likely see GDP fall by somewhere between seven and 10% in the June quarter, but we won't receive that June quarter data until September. And in the meantime, the focus has really shifted on. We're, we're looking now more towards the shape of the economic recovery as the economy begins to uh, open. And you can see that clearly in financial markets. We're already looking toward a much brighter future if you think about what's happening in terms of equity markets and currency markets. Thanks, Matthew. So some potentially some more negative data to come, but as you say, the financial markets might be a, a slightly more up-to-date uh, version of where we sort of sit in our economy. We've also seen a surge in the Australian dollar, Matthew, which is up around 20% against the greenback from its low points in March. Um, this week, the RBA was also tellingly silent on the AUD in its market update. So what's behind this rally? Or are we seeing a bit of a Stephen Bradbury here and it's just the US dropping like a rock? Well, it's not uh, a drop in the US dollar, as, you know, as the Aussie dollars um, rallied even more against the TWI, the usual three suspects that are really driving the Aussie dollar higher, and they are improving global investor sentiment, a rise in our terms of trade, particularly as the uh, iron ore prices have been uh, surging, and a slightly higher Australian interest rate compared to most other developed economies. So where does the AE dollar uh, head from here, Matthew? 
Well, I think the uh, the dollar will probably push higher through 70 cents uh, US, um, mainly due to upside of iron ore prices from here. But I think the dollar will struggle to break much higher than that. I think the bounce in global sentiment has been predicated on an expectation of a very smooth recovery out of, of the global economy, out of COVID. And also the ability of policymakers, both monetary and fiscal, to smooth out any bumps along the way. However, with daily infection rates still elevated around the world, the potential for a relapse and cluster outbreaks remains high. And I think there are also constraints on the pace of growth imposed by social distancing requirements. The test for monetary policy will come, particularly if the US economy stalls, and I suspect that just as in the case of Europe and Japan, the Fed is quickly running out of firepower as US interest rates you know, head towards that zone of, of that negative zone. As I said, the iron ore prices probably have a little further to go. The drivers here have been an uptick in demand from China and a reduction in supply from Vale, Brazil's um, large iron ore company. China demand... Uh, has a little further to run as stimulus measures targeting infrastructure projects uh, increases Chinese demand for steel. But we're not going to see that sort of unbridled surge in fiscal support from China that we saw them unleash during the GFC. I think it's going to be more moderate than that going forward. Um, with Vale, prior to COVID, they were recovering lost production from the, uh, the disaster they had with the ta tailings dam collapse and they expected to get production back up to uh, their full capacity by 2021. But the extreme COVID outbreak that's now occurring in, in Brazil has really started to crimp iron ore production by Vale, and uh, there'll be continued pressure on iron ore prices until the Brazilian authorities get COVID under control. And finally, on interest rates, the differentials between Australia and our other, uh, the other developed uh, nation counterparts, you know, they're not large. They're nothing like the differentials that opened up post the GFC and will most likely, I think, be swamped by a moderation in sentiment over the global economic outlook, which I think is still to come. So, Matthew, it's very interesting. I want to sort of pick up on that sort of comment you made before around the China impact in, in uptick in demand rather for our iron ore, but also from the stimulus. We can't expect going forward that same wave of support that we saw potentially post the GFC. And this week, some commentators have been arguing that the RBA, by keeping the cash rate higher than many other countries, is also placing some upward pressure on the dollar. We've had some commentators also calling for potentially negative rates. So if the Australian dollar continues to appreciate, uh, is the Australia, uh, RBA likely to start currency management? And if negative rates are on the table, does this just start to amplify the reach for high yield regions and investments? Uh, in your informed opinion, Matthew, out of a 10, what are the chance of currency management by RBA? Uh, the chance of the RBA targeting the currency is extremely low, maybe a one. Uh, that's not to say that the currency doesn't factor into their decision making. Uh, it does. But in a, an indirect way rather than a direct way, the RBA will respond um, if they think the rise in the currency is undermining the growth and inflation prospects of the economy. But given the uncertainty around the global outlook, I think the RBA would be hesitant to use up its monetary policy firepower to jump on a rise in the currency that may prove to be temporary. 
But the reason why the currency is high also matters to the RBA. If a higher currency is driven by economic fundamentals, such as a sustained rise in our terms of trade, the RBA will be more tolerant of a, of a currency appreciation. A higher terms of trade generates higher incomes for the Australian businesses and higher revenues for Australian governments. And the federal and state government can deploy that windfall revenue gain to support those sectors of the economy that are typically disadvantaged by a higher exchange rate. In addition, the RBA probably in the current environment has a little more breathing space to tolerate a higher exchange rate as those industries that are typically negatively impacted by high, higher exchange rates, such as tourism and education services, that effect is sort of blunted at the moment because of uh, restrictions on international travel. So I think that the uh, RBA can afford to wait before it starts to uh, lower interest rates in response to a higher exchange rate. They can see if a higher exchange rate is um, supported by uh, stronger terms of trade, in which case I think the RBA will not be as worried about exchange rate rises. And as you said, they will be very reluctant to push into negative uh, interest rates into negative territory, partly because I think of the, uh, the impact that that may have on uh, asset prices more generally, but also on confidence, both of the uh, amongst the household sector and amongst investors. Thanks, Matthew, for this week's update. Uh, so I suppose the uh, conclusion for me is uh, let's not expect any RBA currency management anytime soon. And the recession that in some ways we did have to have uh, might continue to deepen with the Q2 uh, GDP data that's due out in later in September. But the markets do appear uh, to be a clear reflection of those current economic conditions. Let's also hope that this civil unrest we are seeing across the US starts to resolve itself. Thank you for listening and please have a wonderful weekend ahead.